Thank you for tuning in to the NCNTSP podcast. Your host for this episode is Ike Smith, an NCNTSP coach with the Appalachian State University region. I'm Wayne Williams. Ike's guest today is Cameron Gupton, an instructional coach with the ECU region. They'll be talking about rigorous instruction in the social studies classroom as a part of our series about subject-specific pedagogy. We're glad you could join us. We hope you enjoy your time with us today. Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Ike Smith. I am a member of the podcast team for North Carolina New Teacher Support Program. This is my first hosting gig, so this is very exciting. Uh, and I'm a coach in the App State region, um, former uh, high school English teacher, uh, and um, I'm really excited to talk today with Cameron Gupton, who's uh, one of our coaches out of the ECU region, about pedagogy in social studies classrooms and and what what are really the effective strategies and resources for teaching social studies and getting students to think uh critically and creatively in social studies classrooms so um cameron hi hey how's it going i'm good i'm good it's great to connect with you and especially cameron for those of you who haven't met cameron or don't know he's one of our new coaches in uh north carolina new teacher support so um, we're super excited to have him and certainly super excited to have him on the podcast. So, um, so Cameron, you're in the ECU region now as a coach. Um, before we get into uh, talking about subject-specific pedagogy in social studies, tell us a little bit about your teaching background. Um, so both prior to uh, getting the job here with the North Carolina New Teacher Support Program and becoming an instructional coach, I taught for nine years. I taught social studies history uh, throughout my career, world geography, American history one, two, going back to American history now. Um, I taught for a year at Weldon High School in Halifax County and then for eight years in Snow Hill at Green Early College. Awesome. <clears throat> awesome. And so you you've. Uh, over the course of that time, it sounds like developed a lot of perspective and, and a lot of sort of across the different social studies disciplines and courses um, have, have seen a lot and learned a lot about how this all kind of fits together, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Um, so getting our students to think historically, to interact with history, um, be engaged in historical thinking in a way that a historian would be. Um, those mm -hmm. are things that I think are really important in social studies education. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as, as a former English teacher, uh, social studies is not, you know, my, my bailiwick or necessarily my strong suit, but I, I co-taught a class for a little while that was a blend of uh, the English one curriculum and world history along with earth environmental science a course called world dynamics um and so through that experience i was exposed to the kind of historical thinking framework and i know that was as we've been emailing and prepping for this episode that was something we kind of talked about a little bit so tell us more about that about how historical thinking played a role in your classroom and just kind of like what what that notion of historical thinking means to you as a social studies educator well uh, thinking historically sounds like it only relates to history, but in reality, it's just how we think. It's a, it's a way of thinking that has um, a lot of power. Um, over the millennia, humans have 
evolve to recognize patterns and make connections and kind of connect the dots and recognizing patterns and connecting those dots really help us to predict and expect what's coming next. And I think that if there's any content area that's rooted in recognizing patterns, making connections, it's definitely history and social studies. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking like a historian relies on finding patterns, making connections, but also thinking like a historian and questioning documents like a historian, um, putting yourself in history and looking through the eyes of those who were um, there at the time. So that's a little bit about kind of what the idea is, but I'll delve further into it in a little bit. Yeah. It, what you're describing in terms of finding patterns reminds me of um, a quote that, that my co-teacher would often use as we were starting the year together. And, and he'd say to students, and I think this is a Twain quote, uh, that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, right? right. Yep. Um, am I attributing that correctly? Is that Twain? I, be- I believe it is. I do know okay. the quote. Um, my students know the quote well. Uh, I heard that from a professor in grad school, um, and I kind of went with it and talked to my mm-hmm. students about how we can never really recreate the exact situations or the exact uh, context of a historical time um, because that's just not possible. So history doesn't really repeat itself. It just rhymes. It sounds the same. It, it seems mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so those themes are important to recognize, right? That, that, yeah, the, the exact same circumstances likely won't manifest themselves again, but thematically we see these things happen time and again. You know, we, we, we enter these periods where, uh, we've, we've been down this path before. Um, and so I know another, another, kind of key point that you've pulled out is the national curriculum standards for social studies and and the 10 themes that that make up uh that document so tell us a little bit more about that yeah so the national curriculum standards for social studies outline these 10 themes that make up social studies and each of those involves this pattern making and this making connections that i keep talking about uh in some form or fashion um theme one is culture two is uh time continuity and change Three, peoples, places, and environments. Four, individuals, development, and diversity. Uh, Five is individuals, groups, and institutions. Six is power, authority, and governance. Seven, production, redistribution, and consumption. Eight, science, technology, and society. Nine, global connections. And then 10, civic ideals and practices. And within those themes, we can see some patterns and pattern recognitions through studying the past to understand the human story across time. Um, We can study people, places, environments, and understand the relationship between the human population and the physical world. Kind of talking about what you were saying with um, your experience in the the classroom when you were doing English one, world history, and earth and environmental, right? Um, Developing personal identities in the context of our families, peers, schools, and communities. Uh, and confronting questions regarding global connections, whether that be in the past, the present, the future, and acquiring a historical and contemporary understanding of our basic freedoms and our rights as a citizen in a democracy. Mm-hmm. It, it all sounds really daunting, but, but there are powerful means for teachers to actually aid students in recognizing these patterns and making mm-hmm. these connections. And one is the thinking like a historian framework, 
that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting because as as you described the themes in those themes, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, I, I even see these interdisciplinary connections. Like the things that jump out to me there as a, as an English teacher are certainly storytelling, right? So like understanding the human story across time, and and you know I think it's stories are compelling and and approaching the the teaching and learning of history as an exercise in in storytelling i think can be really powerful um and then just the notion of connections like you mentioned confronting questions regarding global connections in the past present and future um and and developing personal identities so making these personal connections like in the english classroom we would often talk about when we read a text, making text to self, text to text, and text to world connections, right? And and I hear echoes of that in what you're describing too. So, and when I said earlier that it's just it's a way of like good thinking, it's a system mm -hmm. for good thinking. That's an example of that. It's it's interdisciplinary. You can use it uh, in all classrooms, really. Um, it's just a really good model for getting our students to think critically. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And and I think that's an interesting, like even to zoom out a little bit, that's an interesting aspect of the construct about subject-specific pedagogy uh, that it is so important to be attuned to the ways in which our individual subject areas, like, like the strategies that we know are effective for teaching in specific subjects, but that so quickly runs into and overlaps with... Uh, these these things that are that are kind of universal strong teaching practice and and these places where subjects overlap and, and there are opportunities for interdisciplinary connection so yeah that's that's all really interesting and i love that you're bringing that to the table um but we are here to get subject specific so uh <laughs> tell us about this is what happens when you have an english teacher uh, <laughs> do an interview about social studies um so you mentioned the thinking like a historian framework um, tell us a little bit more about that and, and about maybe what that looked like in your classroom with your students. Well, the, the framework's been around for a while. It was, it was developed by Dr. Nikki Mandel and Dr. Bobby Malone. Um, I remember learning about it in undergrad, talking about it in grad school. Um, so it's made its way, uh, throughout the education world for a while now. Um, but what it does is it really trains students in developing, the four key strategies that historians use to analyze historical documents. Now that could be primary source, secondary source, and it could be any type of uh, source. It could be visual, it could be um, audio, it could be an actual diary entry or a piece of legislation. Um, and we get our students to really think about four things, sourcing, corroboration, close reading, contextualization. And even as I say those, I hear the connections again to these other subjects, especially mm -hmm. English. Um, with sourcing, we're getting our students to think about the who, the what, the where, the why, the when, right? Uh, corroboration. We want to establish what is probable by comparing documents or comparing sources to each other and recognize the disparities between the accounts. What do they agree on? Where do they disagree? You know, why might they disagree? Um, that's getting a little mm -hmm. further than just corroboration, but also close reading. We want to identify an author's claims about an event, evaluate the evidence and the reasoning that the author actually uses um, and to support their claims, and then evaluate the author's word choice because it's intentional. There's, there's meaning behind it. 
Um, and then contextualization, very important. We need to understand how the context and the background information from that time period influences the actual content of the document and recognizing that documents are products of particular points in time. So we need to understand why Abraham Lincoln may have said in particular uh, prior to his election that he wasn't he wasn't keen on necessarily um, breaking down the institution of slavery, right? He said that prior to the election, mm -hmm. but then during his presidency, that changes, right? And we get the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, so why um, is that happening? And what's the context behind that? And mm -hmm. what's going on during that time period that influences these opinions and these documents? Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And it, it, like you said, these skills are certainly relevant in the domain of social studies and, and then have this applicability in other areas. And what this also reminds me of is um, like when I look at these skills of sourcing, corroboration, close reading and contextualization, what I also hear threaded through all of that is media literacy uh, yeah. that we're, we're teaching students to whether it's in a historical context or in a context of just navigating their everyday life, we're teaching them to take media, documents, images, video, uh, and really deconstruct it and and understand why it was made and who made it and and what the context was for for that creation. So, um, yeah. and such such an important thing right now in this yes. time. media literacy and, and understanding the reliability of sources, uh, whether it be the news, social media, um, whether it's advertising, right? We need to understand the who, what, the where, the why, the when of it all. We need mm -hmm. to evaluate it, uh, compare it to other sources, compare it to other posts or compare various news outlets reporting on an mm -hmm. event, right? Um, closely reading that information that's put out into the public for its intent, um, for why the wording was chosen. And then thinking about the time we live in and how that influences media right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I know also uh, this, this framework gets into uh, some guiding questions that we can use as teachers to um, help students navigate and practice and learn these different skills. So um, tell, tell us a little bit more about kind of the, the questions that, that sit as part of this framework. Right. So there are a lot of questions that historians ask when they're analyzing documents or sources or artifacts. But I mean, there are questions that they just ask themselves about history um, when sure. they're studying history. And the thinking like a historian framework really has these like five buckets that they put questions into. Um, you can think about cause and effect questions, um, change in continuity, questioning that, um, using the past to help us make sense of the present, or thinking of the historical turning points and how those have affected the future. And then one of my favorites is through their eyes. So how do the people in the past view their world? Mm -hmm. um, we're going through questions like, with cause and effect, what were the causes of past events? How did that affect our you know, current day? And then with change in continuity, what's changed? What's remained the same? And when we were talking about history rhyming, um, getting students to realize that history does rhyme and we can 
see patterns and connect dots mm-hmm. and predictions based on the past. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the turning points, how did past decisions affect future choices or future decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, and using the past, just use the past to really help us to understand present day. How did mm-hmm. it impact our current situation? How did one decision in the past lead to where we are today? Um, and also, I'm really big on social emotional learning in my classroom and putting your students, or I was really big on it in mm-hmm, the classroom, mm-hmm. um, putting students in the shoes of those who were actually there and through their eyes, building some historical empathy. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and especially through that, through their eyes category, like what I hear there, I mean, you said it, right? It's empathy building. And, and the potential there for a lot of connections to work around equity, diversity, and inclusion. How, how do we understand different groups and different identities and the intersections of those identities through empathy and, and through perspective taking? Um, and I think that also has the ability to bring that to life in a student and actually begin to play out in their lives and their um, social interactions with each other, right? So if they build that historical empathy that has the ability to actually build empathy, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. become um, more empathetic towards others, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what I hear too through through these questions is, you know, I, I think, again, regardless of what subject we teach, right? There's always the, the issue of relevance and and the issue of, the the student who asks why do i need to know this and these questions and this thinking like a historian framework i think is a great way to illustrate for students why it's important to study history in order to understand our present condition in order to understand what it means to be human and to to make sense of our day-to-day life yeah Um, it really takes the idea that history is just the past it's just facts that's that's all mm -hmm. it really is and then it, it puts it into this this live, um, really engaging, um, thought provoking uh, way, so students really can see that history is not just the past; that it's mm-hmm. still playing a role now. As right. you said, right? That's cool. So it, you've you've brought some some resources. Um, and I want to get to that in a second, because I think that's a, a really helpful thing for, for teachers who might want to try to bring this into their practice. Um, but before we do that, tell us a little bit about um, like whether it's the themes from the National Curriculum Standards for Social Studies and or the Thinking Like a Historian Framework um, in, in your social studies classroom. What, what did these things look like? How did you make this real with students? Just tell us a little about your experience actually implementing this stuff. So I went through teacher prep um, when we were really, really starting to move away from just lecturing and taking notes. And mm-hmm. we're going more into um, analyzing documents. And it, it seems very uh, dry to mm-hmm. a lot of people, but it can be so engaging and so lively, as I mentioned. So in my classroom, the thinking like a historian framework was really utilized during our um, document 
analysis or our source analysis, right? Mm -hmm. So I like to give students a really um, compelling question, an overarching compelling question about Mm -hmm. a historical event, um, and then have the students analyze sources that I've compiled or that I've found um, to be really good sources that either answer that question or they provide conflicting evidence Mm-hmm. that may have students debating the answer to a particular compelling question. Um, and a lot of times it ended up really being a group work activity. So instead of students just in isolation, analyzing these sources, like a, a DBQ packet or something like that, mm-hmm. we turn it into something more um more social for them. And, and they're analyzing these sources. And I say, Hey, this source a says that, you know, for example, the Rosenbergs uh, during the Cold War, that they were not fairly treated. They didn't get a fair trial um, during their espionage trial. Um, but this source over here uh, makes me kind of question, you know, I, I think that, you know, they were they were spying. Um, it's the Cold War. Uh, tensions are really high. And then discussing that with another student in the group, right, mm-hmm. where they can have these rich conversations using historical evidence and make historical claims that are backed by evidence. So in my classroom, a lot of times it was a small group activity where we're analyzing documents, we're using the his- thinking like a historian framework to guide our thinking. Um, and often after that, we're coming back together. And we're having some kind of discussion, whether that's through Mm -hmm. seminar or four corners or we're having a debate. Right. So now we're taking what we've learned and we're taking the evidence and backing up our claims that we're actually making um, in a seminar or some discussion, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And, And what I hear through all of that is something that I when I'm working with the teachers I coach and the undergrads that I teach. I, I find myself constantly referring back to is the four C's, those quote unquote 21st century skills, although that's not a label I love because I think they're just kind of timeless skills, but um, creativity, collaboration, communication, and critical thinking. Like for your students to do any of those tasks in terms of the source analysis, uh, you know, obviously that's, that's critical thinking all day long. And then I'm part of a small group uh, conversation. And then a, a, a whole group conversation of some kind. Uh, and so that, of course, involves that communication aspect and some collaborative elements. And if we're going to debate, uh, then I've got to craft an argument. And so there's, there's elements of creativity. So, um, again, I feel like a theme in our conversation today is this sort of the, the, um, the, the dance between what is subject specific and, and what has this universal applicability um right yeah yeah that's a good way to put it the universal uh ability to apply it to all situations um i that's why i really think it's just so powerful um you can look it up and you can look up thinking like a historian online and you can see these graphics or you can see these questions and that's what it just looks like an infographic or it just looks like questions but Mm -hmm it's extremely powerful um, when it's actually put into practice. Um, And I know it sounds like it's just some big ideal and it's not um, easy to do, but it is. There are a number of programs and there's so many resources available um, that make it a reality. 
So I know there's um, in my classroom, especially there was the use of Stanford's history um, education group reading like a historian program. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something called the University of Maryland, Baltimore County History Labs. Um, you have facing history in ourselves. You have learning for justice. And I would love to share a little bit about each one of those. Yeah, walk us, walk us through those resources because you've curated some really great stuff here for us. Yeah, so reading like a historian, uh, that's a curriculum through Stanford, um, and it really engages students in historical inquiry, and um, each lesson revolves around a central historical question. That's one of those compelling questions, like I mentioned, Mm -hmm. Um, features a set of primary documents. They range from just two sources to maybe up to six, just depends, Mm -hmm. and they're designed for groups of students with a range of reading skills. They're modified sources, so we are really giving them an entry point um, because historical documents are not always easy to read and they're not always easy to understand. So they're modified. Um, Their lessons that are created range all the way from determining what kind of leader Caesar Augustus was. And was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? Was Mm -hmm. he effective, non-effective all the way to uh, whether a range of online sources provide reliable information and reporting on the effects of hurricane Katrina. So they span a huge range of history, but also media literacy, not just mm-hmm. history. Um, there's tons of great world history and U.S. history based um, thinking like a historian aligned lessons. And they have now come out with something that's thinking beyond the bubble. So actually alternative assessments for students, instead of just giving them a multiple choice test, let's give them some primary sources and let's let them tell us what they know about a historical question or time yeah. period based on those documents. And you can really see where they're thinking like a historian because they start to implement these things like sourcing and corroboration um, and close reading, all of that. Yeah. Another one, which I learned about, let's see, I was going through the national board process and a teacher that I was collaborating with used these in her classroom. I was unaware of them, but very mm-hmm. similar. Uh, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County History Labs. Mm-hmm. What I like about these is they're not just pre-made. There are pre-made ones, but there's a template for you to actually use as an educator to create your own. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, they're research and investigative learning experiences for students. They provide all the necessary information, the resources, the procedures, the strategies that are needed to actually um, successfully implement this in your classroom. Um, And they also engage students in a full range of historical thinking skills. So they go through the same process that is employed by historians when they're investigating a time period or a topic. Mm -hmm. Um, And those range from maybe we need to reconsider whether the colonists should have actually revolted against Britain. And that would really rewrite our entire history, right? So having students like grapple with that question to deciding, as I mentioned earlier, you know, did the Rosenbergs receive a fair trial? That's one of the history labs that's available for students. Cool. Um, Yeah. Then to take it even further, we have facing history in ourselves, which takes the thinking like a historian framework, but then adds to it by um, also putting in some social emotional learning Mm -hmm. and building empathy. So Facing History has thousands of research-based resources. There's trainings. There's ideas on topics from the Holocaust to Reconstruction. They also do literature. So um, Mm -hmm. looking at To Kill a Mockingbird, why was it put on the banned list? What what does it tell us about, um, you know, 
the treatment of people of color in the South um, during the Jim Crow era. Um, challenges for students in thinking like a history, I'm sorry, in facing history in ourselves. It challenges students to reflect and analyze uh, moral questions and dilemmas mm-hmm. that have come about throughout history and the study of literature, but it also fosters um, critical thinking, empathy, and social and emotional learning. So I really love that program. Um, similar to that, there's Learning for Justice. It used to be called um, Teaching Justice, I believe, but now it's called Learning for Justice. Um, it provides ready-to-use classroom lessons. It has student text. It has tasks for students to um, undertake. There's teaching strategies, even film kits. So there's mm-hmm. movies out there for um, teachers or documentaries. And it really works to promote social justice, teaching hard history, grappling with hard history and history that is really ugly. Um mm-hmm fighting bias, developing digital literacy, as we mentioned, and it's all aligned to the C3 social study standards. So those are the college career and civic life um, standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning for justice, um, which I think, I think you meant uh, teaching tolerance, right? Used, used to be uh, oh, the name yeah. of that. And they teaching tolerance. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. They, they rebranded uh, I think appropriately. So kind of moving away from that notion of tolerance to that notion of justice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to shout them out too. Uh, in in one of my former roles, working with uh, pre-service uh, undergrad uh, educators, um, we used with them the the social justice standards from Learning for Justice, which are really nice K twelve framework for how do we talk about social justice with students from kindergarten to twelfth grade, um, and yeah, they they have a wealth of resources there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and those think, are those are really cool. Yeah, and I think that while I love to do simulations in my classroom, I love to play games. I love all of those great things, those great strategies. Mm-hmm. But implementing thinking like a historian into your classroom, developing the ability to recognize patterns, to connect dots, and then if you want to add on to it, the ability to build empathy and social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. I think that including thinking like a historian as the bulk of what is occurring in the classroom or in the history classroom, mm-hmm. I think it has the ability to really be life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds like that was certainly the case in your classroom and for your students. Yeah. Um, yeah. They really did become such well-rounded, such educated individuals because of, of this framework, you know, they Mm -hmm. um, have often told me, you know, that history in my classroom really came to life Mm -hmm. Um, and that it was, it was fun. It was engaging, but it was also challenging um, because they were thinking as if they were bona fide historians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's a really powerful notion too, um, just, just that idea of thinking like a historian, right. And, and, uh, like I, I, I draw a connection to in, in my English class when we were doing writer's workshop, how I'd talk with my students about, like, I would refer to them as authors, not as aspiring authors or, or, or not as, you know, people who could one day be an author, 
But, you know, we talked about the fact that you've got ideas in your head and you can put them down on paper and that makes you an author, right? It, it's not that you have a book on a shelf in Barnes and Noble, which if you want to talk about something that's a historical artifact Barnes and Noble, probably yeah. we're, we're getting there. But um, yeah, so so empowering them to like step into the the shoes of that profession and inhabit it. You know, and so I think about in a math classroom, how we, we tell students, you're mathematicians, you're learning these skills, you're using them in a science classroom, you're scientists. And in a social studies classroom, you, you are historians, and this is how historians think. And, and so, you know, as I think as we think about the purposes of schooling, and, and one of those being we're, we're hopefully preparing students for whatever comes next for them after school, and, and thinking about potential career pathways. Uh, I think that's an important dimension of this too, is empowering them to to take on that role of historian and and see if that's something that really gets you fired up that you want yeah. to go further with. And and even if you don't go further with the historian, right? That that career path, thinking like a historian has mm -hmm. the ability to just it just propel you. Uh, yeah, to be successful. Um, just thinking on any situation or at any point in your life, if you just sit down and think like a historian and go through mm -hmm. these types of things. Um, it, I'm sorry. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, it, 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 it has great value because uh, you know what I'm, what I'm hearing from you today is ultimately it's about critical thinking, right? Which is so vital and critical thinking toward the end of empathy. Um, right. And, and, you know, it, it makes me think about, um, again, with the, I'm, I'm teaching like an intro to teaching class right now. And we talked about kind of different educational philosophies and, and ideologies. And one of those being the uh, social reconstruction ideology of education that, that as educators, our job is to prepare students not to recreate society as it currently exists, but to to fix the problems, fix right. the stuff that we messed up. Um, and, and that's what I'm hearing from you, Cameron, yeah, is that that's, that's exactly, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's exactly kind of where I was going with that. And I think I'm really passionate about that, mm -hmm. but um, getting ahead of myself when I'm talking and I just <laughs> kind of let it all go for a second, but no, it's yeah. all good. That, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. That's it. Yeah. Well, that, that, that passion in and of itself, I think is another key aspect of, of, anybody's effectiveness in their subject area is like we we've got to be pumped about this stuff or, or else how can we expect our students to be so totally. it's really cool to to see that passion from you and and i appreciate you bringing that to the podcast well of course um, and i thank you for having me on i really do appreciate it yeah absolutely yeah well you have brought some just fantastic resources to us today um, i think we'll be able to link all of this stuff in the podcast description or or we'll we'll get it linked somewhere, okay, whether that's on right. Twitter, or we'll, we'll make sure folks have access to this stuff. Okay. I think to wrap up, and hopefully this isn't putting you too much on the spot, but I, I'm, I'm wondering if you had one piece of advice for uh, beginning social studies educators who are who are working on honing their craft in, in teaching social studies. Uh, and maybe it's hard to boil it. I'm sure it's hard, hard to boil it down to one piece of advice. But um, is is there a piece of advice you would give to to early career social studies educators to make it as engaging as absolutely possible mm -hmm. to 
find ways to connect history to these students' everyday lives, to find a way to make it relevant to students, to also make it fun for them. Um, history is actually really fun um, yeah. to learn history and to engage in history. But I think that a lot of times we want to be the sage on the stage and tell them everything, right? Mm -hmm. We want to tell them what we know about history, but let them figure it out. Engage them by challenging them to figure history out for themselves. And I think that's really important. And yet again, something that you can do by implementing thinking like a historian in your classroom. Yeah, nice. Well, I can't put a better bow on it than that. So <laughs> thanks, Cameron. Uh, again, this has been great talking with you. We appreciate it. I'm certain this will not be the last time you're on the podcast because you're a phenomenal guest. So we'll have you Thank back you. to talk about some yeah. more stuff. I don't know. Um, I don't know about that, but thanks. Thanks. Yes. No, you did awesome. You did awesome. Um, and we're so glad that you're part of new teacher support program. We're, we're so lucky to have you as a coach. And, and I know your teachers know that they're lucky to be working with you. So thank you. Thanks, Cameron. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, we'll see you next time. Um, and uh, yeah, come back and see us. All right. Thank you for taking the time to process all that information. Please know NCNTSP sincerely wants to hear from you. Leave messages on this podcast platform and follow us on Twitter at capital T, lowercase h-e, underscore, all caps, NCNTSP. And as always, thank you, teachers, for all that you do.